Well, good morning, church, and welcome. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and what a gift it is to have you with us here on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. All the ladies in the house, we love you. We have a very special gift for all the women here today, right after service. Make sure you head uh, to our bouquet bar and build your own beautiful bouquet of flowers. And we want to bless you with some, every, everybody should have some flowers on Mother's Day. And so, well, today we got a really exciting day, and I'm not going to waste all of our time because you didn't come to hear from me today. Hey, if you ever want to know, dads, a great gift for your wife on Mother's Day, have her do your job on Mother's Day. That's a great way to honor her. I've been specifically told that this doesn't count as Mother's Day. She gets a second go at it next weekend. And so, well, uh, let me introduce you uh, to what we're doing here. We're calling it Five for Seven. And we believe that the body of Christ is diverse and filled with so many different experiences and so many different important voices. And there are five very important voices on the stage behind me today. Each of them has uh, prepared a short sermon, a mini message coming from their perspective uh, and from their voice and from their heart and from the Spirit of God this morning. And they're going to share those with you in succession. Now, this is a hard thing to do. Preaching is hard enough. Preaching in a short amount of time is really difficult. I need you to help them out this morning. When you hear something good, say, that's good. Say, amen. Shout them down a little bit. We can get, let's get a little Pentecostal in this room today. Somebody jump a pew. They won't mind, okay? If you brought a flag, wave it. Let's do it today. We're going to have a great time. I believe it's going to be a lot of fun. Let me tell you who's speaking today. We have April Knight is going to go first. Yeah, give her a hand. If you don't know April... Her husband, Robert, is one of the pastors on staff here. He's our production pastor. Uh, You've seen him leaping on stage during worship before, but what he really is doing is chasing cables and solving problems across the back of the room and all week long, and so we love them. April is an artist, has painted for us before. She runs an incredible ministry uh, called... It's changed names, Scripture Doodle and Well-Crafted Retreats, and, uh, and so incredible stuff. She is an incredible leader. We can't wait to hear from her. They have four kids. I'll let you tell the rest of their story. This is my wife, Rael Redwine, who needs no introduction. Uh, Morgan Holmes is our worship director. She's on staff here and, and runs really our worship experience. And so if you've ever enjoyed it, uh, Morgan is who you thank. Uh, over here is Sheila Mraz, you guys. Sheila and her family have been a part of our church really almost since the beginning. And uh, Sheila is a photographer, one of our area's greatest photographers, and takes all the incredible fit pictures and shots you see at our church. Many, many of those are done by Sheila, and we're so grateful for her and her leadership. And then at the last but not least is Ashton Zager. Ashton and her family have been with us since actually the before the beginning. Uh, they were here, and uh, they have led in our kids' ministry, have been a part of a lot of things that we've done from the very beginning, and they've got a great story. I can't wait for you to hear. And so I'm going to get out of the way and let April get started. Let's go. Well, I'm going to jump right in because I have seven minutes. I'm already stressed. I am here to bring a word for the dreamer in the house. Any dreamers in the house? Any idea people? Okay, well, um, I'm a dreamer to the core. I have ideas for days and often a new idea before the last idea has been completed. Um, it is The jury is out whether this is a blessing to my husband or a curse, but um, lots of days he just rolls his eyes when I say, babe, I have another idea. So if you find yourself in the place of balancing the tension of a dream from God and the tension of a dream and the kingdom of family, um, sometimes I think we just need to begin. I think the word is just begin. And if you don't know where to begin, ask God this, what is my next step in this journey? Because here's what I know, Satan spends all his time trying to jam up and put a stop to whatever it is that God has called you to. God reminded me of this verse yesterday. It's 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
The enemy is working really hard to keep you from starting. He wants to stop you from starting because if he can keep you from starting the race that God has called you to, he will never have to stop you from finishing. If God has put a call on your heart for his kingdom, can I just say, do not ignore it. Just begin. There's four things I want to say, four words of encouragement. The first thing is this, invite your kids into the dream. And if you're not a mother, invite others into the dream. I was 20 years old when I answered this call to art and ministry together. And it's one of the best yeses I've ever given God in my life. But as a 20-year-old, I thought for sure that my dreams had to come to fruition before I had children. I was certain that once I had kids, that was it. It was over for me and God dreaming together. Um, it would just be motherhood after that. But since God has taught me to see the beauty of inviting my kids into this journey, when we invite others into the work that God has given us, we are giving them the opportunity to be part of something bigger than themselves, something that is part of the kingdom. It's easy to see kids as a roadblock to productivity. And honestly, sometimes they are. Can I get an amen? <laughs> But the truth is that God could have saved the whole world without us. He did not have to invite us into this kingdom of discipleship and building disciples, but he did. There's something so valuable when we invite our kids into the work that he's given us. Sometimes my kids join me in the work that we do at Scripture Doodle and Well-Crafted, not in a child labor sort of way, but in a way of like buzzing around, like what's going on? I can't wait to see what God does with these women. And it's just, you're, you're discipling them when you do that. It's kingdom work. And it is a good choice to make anytime God has given you a dream. The second thing I want to say is this, number two, let yourself trust God. And I think let is the key word there. You need to know anytime that you are walking in a dream or a call from him, that God is trustworthy, faithful, and present in your life. The Bible is full to the brim of stories of God's faithfulness to his people time and again, even when they do not deserve it. One of the verses I love from Deuteronomy 7, 9 is this. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and obey his commands. You can trust God with the details of your calling and of the dream that he has placed on your life. Let yourself trust him. You are not big enough to carry all the things, but he is. And when you learn to trust him to carry what you cannot, it will make room for the things that you are supposed to carry. On any given Sunday, you may see me buzzing around here with one, um, on a mission with one creative endeavor or another which means you've also probably seen my kids buzzing around here looking like a hot mess with, um, I don't know what endeavor they were on, but it's never pretty. Listen, if I, was a better, if I was a better mom, I would have a plan in place. I would have a system so everyone's where they needed to be at the right time. But I just, I, God did not build me like that. So um, sometimes I like to trust God to um, be about my work when I'm about his work. <laughs> Even, except one day I got a text from my friend Heather Burgers who texted me during service. It said she had found Jericho wandering around in the parking lot alone. And she was wondering if it was okay with me if she gathered him in to bring him back to safety. And Lord knows, I didn't even see the text until after service. So I'm so thankful for Heather's motherhood that she just said, I think this is the right idea. And so listen, if you ever, this is a blanket statement to the people in the room. If you ever see my child wandering aimlessly in traffic, you have my permission to bring him back to safety. Okay, listen, God is big enough for your things. You can trust him, okay? He is trustworthy. I'm not saying we shouldn't keep good tabs on our kids, but there will come a time when we need to trust God for the things that are outside of our control. And can I be honest? You are missing out if you are choosing not to trust God. Number three, find peace in the pruning. My favorite chapter of scripture, maybe favorite ever, is in John 15, where Jesus talks about remaining in him, where he is the vine, we are the branches, and if we remain in him, we will bear fruit. Uh, the first and second verse say, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. My mom is a blueberry farmer. And if I call her in the spring on any given day, there's a chance that she is in the field pruning the blueberries. And when she prunes her bushes, she's doing so to help the bushes put more energy to the branches that need to bear fruit. 
were she to leave all the branches there, there might be a lot of berries, but the berry bush would be spending too much energy trying to produce too many berries, and it would create a subpar blueberry. Maybe not as big, definitely not as sweet as it could be. Even when the branches start bearing fruit, she will walk through the fields and brush off some berries that have already come so that the berries can focus, the the bushes can focus to produce more berries. She recently told me about her latest idea because she's an idea girl too. She is growing something called super berries. And these blueberries are basically, you ultra prune the bushes so that only a few branches bear fruit. And in so you produce a mega blueberry. These blueberries are huge. They're the size of a quarter. They are so beautiful and sweet. They are like anything you've ever seen. Now, my mom texted me a picture and I asked Robert if I could show a slide, but he said no, no one was getting slides and I wasn't getting special treatment just because I was married to him. So if you want to see the super berries, come see me at the bouquet bar and I will show you. But listen, all seriousness, there are several times in my work when God has pruned something off of me, oftentimes not something I wanted him to do. But pruning is painful. And in the midst of the process, it can be like, why are you doing this? Why are you making me do this thing that I know you've called me to? Why are you pulling off what I have growing? But what if he's wanting to build a super berry in you? Are you going to get in the way of God moving in you on behalf of his kingdom? If you're having trouble trusting God, it could be because maybe you need to spend a little more time getting to know his character. When we know and love God as our Father, it is easier to trust Him. Don't be afraid of the pruning. If God has asked you to prune it, even if it doesn't make sense, sometimes with God it doesn't make sense till it does. Like Noah built this huge ark and everyone thought he was crazy, but then when it rained, don't you think he was so glad that he obeyed God, even if it sounded crazy? Number four, I know I'm over time. Release the fruit to God. Okay, this is the hardest part for me when I carry motherhood and a kingdom dream. But John 15, 4 says, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen, there is no sense trying to go this thing without God. In your motherhood, in your work, in your dreams, in all things, God has said point blank, you will remain in me. The branch must have a source of life in order to sustain fruit. You can't have one without the other. You have to remain in God in order to bear fruit. And it goes on to say that it is God's, for God's glory that we bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. But the hard part is we don't get to say when or how much fruit comes. That's God's job, which is so frustrating. But we can find peace with God when we have found our place. He is It is his story, and we are just part of it. Many days in my dreams, I'm frustrated with the timing of my fruit. I have often wondered what it would look like, even if I didn't have family, could I quickly advance for the kingdom? But the reality is God has given me family and a dream, and so he has the grace to help me steward both. We can't ignore our family in the name of the kingdom because our families are kingdom work. And that is why we need to find our peace in the pruning because sometimes he may shift things for us for the sake of our families, not in spite of them. So in your kingdom dreams, in mothering, and um, in the daily things that God's given you, keep going. Don't give up. A dream from God is a dream worth pursuing. Just begin. You can trust God to show, him, to show you the way. You can find peace in the pruning for the promise of more fruit. And most of all, when you put your hands to all the good that God has called you to, you can release the fruit to him, and you are better for it. It is his joy to carry us in our dreams, and we will find our best selves in trusting him with them. Thank you. Um, The first time I could wrap my mind around complete self-sacrifice was when my oldest daughter was born. In my mind, her little life was solely dependent on me. That felt heavy. Within the first year of motherhood, my anxiety and depression wreaked their havoc on me and my marriage. But those are stories for another day. We now have three wonderful girls, seven, four, and seven months. In preparing for today, my heart was drawn to the word perspective. Let's take a journey of perspective. That God chose Mary, the mother of Jesus, to raise his holy and perfect son. 
God chose a young, unmarried woman. She likely had not lived on her own, and she had no experience as a mother. God chose Mary to carry the Son of God. New mothers in the house today, you are the right person for the job. Those of you thinking about fostering, adopting, or having children, it is not your experience that qualifies you. You are qualified by the example of self-sacrifice freely given by a God that loves consistently and provides the every heartbeat of parenthood and sonship throughout the Bible. Let, let's put ourselves in Mary's perspective from Luke 1.28. The angel Gabriel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she was like, What? <laughs> But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. In the Greek translation, favor is also recognized as grace. Mary was in God's grace. Gabriel goes on to explain her pregnancy and that she will become a mother. What is Mary's response? How can this be? Verse 34, she questions God. How many times as a believer or not have we questioned God? Let's go deeper into perspective. Mary is like, God, I'm not sure you understand how one gets pregnant. Are you sure I'm the gal you're looking for? I'm afraid to tell you this, but I'm a virgin. Women, perhaps you have found yourselves questioning God. Can I say pregnancy? What a delicate experience. Maybe month in and month out, you continually see the words, not pregnant. If you become pregnant, your body goes through so much change so fast physically and emotionally. Or sadly, you are told, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. Or maybe the truth was, hang on, I'm editing somehow and I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Or maybe the truth was, if I can find where I am, You didn't want to be pregnant. Perhaps after a long journey of infertility to finally get pregnant, then you still have to birth the baby. Women, we find ourselves like Mary. God, how can this be? I can't do this. Now let me include parents, single parents, guardians. Do not forget the many other challenging life stages we go through. Having a newborn, have you ever been so tired? Toddler years, is this a tantrum or is my child demon possessed? (laughs) I've asked that. (laughs) What about when your child gets sick? Maybe you've gone through a diagnosis. At 17 months and with complete shock, our daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And now we are responsible to function as her pancreas every hour of every day. Hello God, I'm not a doctor. Some have experienced child loss. How can this be? You may get your kid to school age, mean kids, puberty, discipline, celebrations, self-worth, sexual orientation, mental illness, failure, moral failure, marriage, divorce. How can this be? Even still, there are all the warped questions of our own childhood and family history. Neglect, safety, abuse, racism, lies, Christian manipulation, grooming, and all the other ways our hearts can be torn into pieces. God, how can this be? Why am I the one you call favored? How can I bear all of this? And to Mary's question, Gabriel gently responded, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Verse 35 and verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. So Mary agreed to mother the Son of God. Shortly after his birth, Jesus was presented in the temple according to the purification rites. Simeon, a devout and righteous man, took Jesus in his arms and praised God for the work he would do through Jesus. As Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said about Jesus, Simeon blessed them and spoke directly to Mary. This child is destined to call the rise to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Motherhood is gut-wrenching. At this time, Mary knows she was what she committed her life to. She would raise Jesus, the Son of God. This commitment required open hands to the work of God and his grace to be with her. Perspective. It is because of God's grace that I can bear whatever the world has for me. And even more directly for some of you today, as a parent or guardian, I am able to carry the burden of my child because of God's grace in me. Romans 3.24, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Just as he did with Mary, God approaches you as highly favored. Welcomed to his grace. All of this is good and sacrificial, but it seems as though there's not much offered onto how exactly Mary and Joseph raised Jesus. We can read in Luke 2.40 that the child, Jesus, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Further ahead in Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Here's our answer. Did you hear it? Fill your child with wisdom. The Greek word for wisdom literally literally means skill in everyday affairs of life, including good sense and sound judgment. Fill your child with life skills, people skills, and grace. I'm a mom, the keeper of the house, and doing my best to fill my kids with wisdom. Please hear this. We know that staying at home with our kids while they are growing up is a decision that John Mark and I believe is best for us, and it's not necessarily attainable for everyone. But from my perspective, I am preparing my kids to be the next generation in this life. For some reason, my work can feel small, unimportant, exhausting. You can find so many ways to be a good mom, but I choose to carefully navigate that crippling information overload. The Bible points me to Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. In that passage, the work of building the second temple in Jerusalem had begun. It would be finished one day, but would begin one brick at a time. If I am growing in my relationship with God, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5:22 and 23. My prayer is that I can also guide my children to emulate what they see in me. Jesus had people skills. Learning to love God's way is sacrificial. Being unselfish, caring for others, and watching out for each other doesn't come naturally to a child. As a parent or guardian, we are responsible for living out God's love and for bringing life, comfort, and safety to those in our care. Even still, like Mary, I will make mistakes along the way. When Jesus was 12, Mary and Joseph went a whole day before they realized he was missing. It was three days before they found him at the temple. God saw them fit to be his parents, (laughs) just as he covers me in his grace and sees me fit to mother my three girls. It's all about perspective. Okay, wow, so good. Okay, I am Morgan Holmes. I'm going to go fast, I promise. I want to keep you here. Um, I'm Morgan Holmes. If you know me, you may already know that there's kind of a big thing that separates me from the other amazing ladies on this stage, and that is that I am not a mom. Um, Mikey and I, my husband, were celebrating 13 years of marriage in just a couple of weeks. That feels like a long time. I feel, yeah. Um, But one thing I never could have guessed about our marriage is that we would be entering year 13 with no children. It's not something I ever thought would be a part of our story. It's really not something I gave much thought to at all. I just kind of figured we would grow our family naturally and easily, just like it seemed to happen for all my friends, for everyone around me, so it seemed. Um, But as we know, life doesn't always go as planned. And so as the years begin to pass, we kind of begin to notice, okay, 
I think this journey is going to look a little bit different than we thought it would. It's not going to go exactly like we planned. And there's something about seasons of waiting or seasons of disappointment or seasons of wanting that do something to you. They are so vulnerable. It feels like you're watching sand fall through an hourglass. And with each day that passes, you feel like you're watching your dreams pass right along with it. But see, all of us go through these seasons of waiting or wanting in some way or another, and we tend to respond to them in a couple of different ways. Some of us might shut down, kind of avoid those emotions, busy ourselves with other things, while others might um, obsess over it or really succumb to it and try and control it until we're drowning in the despair of it. I know for me, like many of you, growing up, things were not always easy in my family. Um, I'll spare you all the details, but we went through a lot of struggles. And one being that when I was 15 years old, my dad passed away suddenly. Then when I was 21 years old, my younger brother passed away suddenly when he was only 17. And one thing that these big trials and losses can do, at least for me, was it began to teach me to put my guard up. Just don't expect good. Go ahead expect the worst. It's safer that way. Um, Life is fragile and out of my control. So, you know, go ahead and assume that it's just not going to turn out well. So in an extended season of waiting year after year, like my husband and I have been in, it has been extremely challenging to learn to see the story through, to learn to force myself to hold on to hope, to learn to um, wait on the Lord. And I would imagine that there are many of you in this room that know that feeling, that you can relate to that in some way. So what do we do to endure these seasons of waiting? I think Psalms 121 gives us a great place to start. Verse Verse one says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So this psalm is known as a traveler's hymn or a soldier song. Because see, people who are on a battleground or on a journey, they're going to find themselves at times in the valleys. And when they're in the valleys, they become vulnerable to attack, vulnerable to trials. But they know that there's safety in the high places. There's safety up in the hills. There's safety in a cleft of the rock. And so as one theologian says, it is well when they shake off their lethargy and resolve upon a climb. For help comes only to the saints from above. They look elsewhere in vain. Satan will endeavor to keep our eyes upon our sorrows that we may be disquieted and discouraged, but be it ours firmly to resolve that we will look up and look out. I don't know what you're walking through today. Maybe you're waiting on something. Maybe you've stopped waiting on that thing. Maybe you find yourself sitting in the disappointment and the grief of what you thought life would look like, watching your dreams kind of walk out the door. I don't know where you are, but I want to ask you if it might be time today to resolve upon a climb. I wonder if Satan has endeavored you to keep your eyes upon your sorrows. I wonder if he's discouraged you or disquieted you. Disquieted actually means to fill with anxiety and worry doesn't relate at all, right? But this psalm gives us an instead. It invites us to instead look up and look out to where our help comes from. And this doesn't mean that we ignore what's happening. It doesn't mean we pretend we are fine. It means that we acknowledge it continuously. We acknowledge it and then we take our eyes off of it. We are honest. We wrestle with it. We feel it. We take it before God and we wrestle with him about it. But then we lift our eyes to the hills. We resolve to make a climb. We cannot be deceived into thinking that our help will come when the waiting ends. Weaked into thinking that our fulfillment will come when we get the thing we desire. No, our help comes only from the Lord and we look elsewhere in vain. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He's the only ground that won't be shaken. He's the only ground that won't be moved. So I want to be found waiting on him and I want to do it again tomorrow and do it again the next day and do it again the day after that until that just becomes where my life is rooted. That if God brings me children or he doesn't bring me children, if I'm waiting or I'm not waiting, that this becomes the constant of my life. Every day she made the climb. Every day she lifted her eyes. 
Thanks. A couple of years ago, I was in a particularly difficult season with just the waiting and lots of things, and I, I was really struggling with depression. I was, I honestly just felt overlooked by God. I felt like, God, what are you doing? What is your plan? And it was a super, it was a super difficult season along with seeking counseling and things like that. I remember each day just feeling like a desperation for God, like I just had to start my day in desperation with him. And during this season, and it wasn't like a sweet devotional time. It was like a, I can't make it through the day, so you're going to have to meet me here. I don't know how to go on, so this has got to be on you. And during that season, I remember just telling him one day, Lord, I am so tired of feeling this way. Like, I feel like everybody else is just living their lives, and I am just always going to be the one just here on this floor waiting for you. Just every day. Can't take a step without you. And I remember as clear as day, just sensing him say back to me, well, I hope you will be. And it wasn't like he was saying that he didn't want me to ever be in a better season. It was like he was saying, I hope that even when you're on the mountaintop, that even when you have everything your heart desired, that you would still choose to be here waiting for me every day, that you would know that I am still where your help comes from. And honestly, that's my prayer for us today. I hope and pray God gives you every bit of what you're waiting for. I hope and pray he restores every lost thing, but it will not fill you. It will not be enough. So I pray that we will be a people who resolve to wait on the Lord, that we will be a people who resolve every day, morning by morning, we will make the climb. We will look up and look out to where our help comes from. Thank you. Eight years ago, it was 2014. That's when Max and I became parents of a teenager. But if you're thinking this through, the math doesn't, doesn't make sense. Larkin was seven, Noah was 10, but yet we were asked to be parents of a teenager. It was the week before school, and if you work in a school system, this is the craziest time that God could have ever picked. It was the busiest, most hectic moment, and that is when God knew the divine timing for our phone to ring. A full series of unfortunate events had been occurring over the past years, which finally amounted to one big moment when we were asked to raise Max's niece and nephew, and it wasn't for... A weekend, it wasn't for a month, but with an indefinite expiration. Ooh, of course, our answer was yes, absolutely. Followed right next to, Lord, now what? Within days, we were scrambling to find bedrooms. We were scrambling, and this is the key, we were scrambling to find room. That same week, I was navigating a high school, signing up for ninth grade classes. What, what's happening? I was traveling to Reynolds High School. We were living in Waynesville, the hour and a half morning commute there, hour and a half morning or afternoon commute, working full time, now raising four children. I had no idea what I was doing. I was beyond a mess on a good day. And I kept on repeating, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. None of my friends had teenagers at this point, and so I would call my sisters, I would ask them, they had raised teenagers, I would call on my friends who were counselors and therapists so we could deal with all of the trauma that was in our midst. And I could ask a hundred people and get a hundred opinions, but we were given God whispers of wisdom every day. We were given our daily bread. And that's what you're given in this moment right now. You are given exactly what you need because God gave us this situation to become closer to him. It was the exact recipe that we needed. We didn't know it, but it was the exact recipe. Every day we were being refi refined to trust, to lean in further, to fully rely on God. Not just a little bit, but everything. 
So over the next three years, the questions of raising a high schooler kept on rising. The stakes were rising every day. God, what do we do when his grades are dropping? God, what do we do when we think he's hanging around with whom the world sees as the wrong crowd? God, what do we do when we think drugs are in the picture? God, what do we do when there's immoral behaviors? God, what do we do when we know there are drugs now in the picture? God, what do we do when we think he might hurt himself or someone else? God, what do we do? I found myself quickly graduating from the mom rocking my baby in the nursery, wondering if my baby was going to sleep that night to the mom pacing in my kitchen, wondering, praying, is he going to come home? Is he going to come home? And that's when the direct message from God's true character was shown. God is pacing for you and me right now. God is pacing, pacing for you and me. Come home, my child. Come home. Come home. Come home. This is us. We are the teenagers in God's eyes. We're still making poor decisions every day. We are the ones that God is seeking. Come home, my child. Come home. His unending compassion repeats. But home is not when we die. Home is right now. It's right now in this room, in your seat. It is right now. It is here for you. Let's make a direct path right this moment. Make a direct path to this home in your hearts. Jesus says, where is the kingdom of God? It's within. The kingdom of God is within. It's within your heart right now. We are to house the Holy Spirit in this moment. This is your moment. Generations from now depend on you in this moment, right here. How do we do this? We surrender. We surrender with everything that you have. You surrender your whole heart. You empty your heart right now. Release, turn away from seeking the earthly things, seeking the radiance of God. The pure, beautiful radiance, it's there. It's right here. How do you do that? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You seek him. And the Lord is standing at your heart right now, knocking, knocking. Will you let him in? Will you let him in? If this is a familiar place, lean in further, friends. Lean in further. If this is where you go to every day, lean in further. Push in. Let him come in. Let him come in further. Open up every part of your heart. Open. Open it up. Let him in. Let him in. That door that's been locked, ooh, open that. Open that up. Yes, yes, yes. Let the fear go. Let the anxieties go. Oh my gosh, yes. We know they're in there. Let him go. Let him go. Release with your deep breath. Release. Who breathe it out right now. Can I hear you saying, release, release, let it go, yes. And if this is new to you, if you're afraid in your seat right now, that's okay. Be still and know. Be still and know. You are safe. He is loving you right now. Loving you with arms stretched out right now. They're surrounding you. Because when two or more are gathered in his name, he is with us. Jesus is with us in this room right now. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's right here. And when Jesus is here, miracles happen. Miracles are flooding in. Let them flood in. Let them in. Miracles that you've been praying for, they come. They're here. They're here. Will you let them in? Yes. Open up all doors, the deep, dark ones. Offer your whole heart, every bit of it. 
And the only thing to do is praise. The only thing right now is to give praise and thanks and adore him. Yes, adore him. Give praise and thanks with everything, everything that you have. Give praise and thanks. Give praise and thanks. And in this moment, this is what I do. I say, here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. Welcome home. Welcome home. This is your new home. This is your new home. Come here every day. Come to this sacred place of your heart every day. You can do so quickly. Come home. Because when we do, every one of us will hear a time. There'll be that beautiful moment in time when we will hear, welcome home, my child. Job well done. <clears throat> you guys have seven more minutes in you? So when I was getting married at the ripe age of 21 years old, my husband and I had this 10-year plan. And the 10-year plan was don't have kids until I turned 30. The plan was when I turned 30, we would begin the part of our lives, which was the children. Well, the funny thing is I gave birth to our third child in February, and then in March, I turned 30. <laughs> so that's how that plan went. Uh, year three of marriage, Casey Zager, my husband, woke up and said he was ready to be a dad. And when Casey's ready to be a dad, he's ready yesterday. And I said, that's so cute. So Louie was on the way. And leading up to Louie's birth, I'll just let you know, I won't say we weren't not prepared. I'll just say that we didn't go to a birthing class. And uh, we changed a collective zero diapers in our lives. And I maybe had like an hour or two of baby ex babysitting experience, but I'm just going to be honest, I don't have a lot of memories of being a child and dreaming of being a mom. I have a lot of memories of my two sisters being asked, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then being like, a mommy. And them asking me that question and me saying, I want to be a lawyer or like a doctor or like it's a lot of money so that I don't need a man. That was me as a child. Now I'm pregnant with, then I was pregnant with Louie, pondering all these things, kind of curious, how's this going to go? And then Louie was born, and I discovered that it hadn't mattered at all, that I did not have this long-awaited journey into motherhood. It didn't matter at all, that we were absolutely not ready. I loved him so much. And I wasn't bad at the mom thing. In fact, I, I was kind of good at it, and I enjoyed it. Louis turned one. I weaned him from breastfeeding. I was going to have my body back. No one was going to need me in that way. And while I had enjoyed it so much, I was like, that's it. We're going to maybe like adopt the next one. And this period is over. Well, three months later, we were pregnant with Hank. And I won't explain the logistics. I'll just say it was maybe a little bit of a surprise. And um, at that point in my life, I'm an artist. I was actually trying to make money out of being an artist and make it a job. And I was a little nervous. How's this going to go? I don't just have one small child. I'm now going to have two small children. Louie and Hank are exactly 23 months apart. Um, their birthdays are September 27th and August 27th. Um, how's this going to go? Is the business going to crash and die? I love the newborn thing and we're going to do that again, but I'm also going to have a not even two-year-old at the same time. And then Hank was born. And I discovered that it didn't matter at all that he hadn't been in my plan and it didn't matter at all that I didn't feel ready. I loved him so much. And I wasn't bad at it. I was kind of good at the two under two thing. I, I was 
was kind of really good at it. I'm just going to be honest. I would juggle them. My business didn't die. It thrived. Um, Hank's first year of life, it thrived. People were beginning to buy my work more. I was beginning to teach classes. I, um, we were starting, I was starting to do these big conferences. Hank turned one. I weaned him from breastfeeding. I was going to have my body back. No one was going to need me in that way. I had my freedom. Shortly after Hank's first birthday, we had this big conference um, where I was going to teach a lot of people how to weave, and we were going to sell goods. Um, it was in Texas, and we kind of had a lot riding on it. It wasn't just, um, you know, I really want this to go. It was like, we kind of need this to go. Well, we had a lot of money invested in it, a lot of time invested in it, 100% of my heart invested in it, and it crushed. It didn't just do as well as I'd hoped it would go. It did even better. And we drove home from that conference from Texas with our two little babies, and we were feeling more hopeful than we had ever felt in our entire lives. I felt such triumph. Like, I had done it. I grew my two beautiful babies. I fed them from my body, which was my goal. The the job of that was done. My job was going so well. It was doing exactly what I wanted it to. We drove home on a Monday, and on Tuesday... I was cooking dinner, and unbeknownst to me, Hank found something on the ground, and he put it in his mouth. And he began to choke, and I began the Heimlich maneuver. Casey took over the Heimlich maneuver. We called 911 really fast. An ambulance came, took him to the hospital. We sat outside that emergency room, and we waited. And we waited, and we waited, and we prayed. And we texted all our people to pray, and they texted all their people to pray. And I sat on my knees, and I reminded God, hey, remember that time you said, ask, and you shall receive, and seek, and you shall find, and knock, and the door will be open. Well, I'm asking, and I'm seeking, and I'm knocking. And God, remember that time there, there was this father, and he came to you, and he said, my kid is sick, and you can help Will you heal him? And Jesus, you, you got kind of hot. You said, if I can help. All things are possible for those who believe. Well, Jesus, I'm asking. And I do believe. And just like that father, I'm saying, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I said all the right things. And Hank died. When Hank was born, um... My labor with him was really fast, and he didn't breathe right away. It was just a couple seconds, but a couple seconds in that situation feels like 14 hours. And um, he finally let out this cry, and I let out this exhale. I hadn't even realized I was holding my breath. And for two years, seven months, and three days, it's three weeks. It's like I'm still waiting for that exhale. It's like, I can't breathe. I grew up Jewish. And part of the Jewish faith is they're still waiting on Messiah. They're still waiting on um, this king or this high priest to rise. They're waiting for him to come and redeem and to bring peace to the land. And they believe in Messiah. They just don't believe that it was Jesus. And when I came to believe in Jesus, those were the things about him I was connecting It was that, oh, he was a king, just not a king in the way the king of England is the king of England. And he did have a crown, but the crown was made of thorns, and the throne that he had was a cross. And the way that he redeemed is that he died. And that wasn't at all the way that the Jews were expecting him to come, but the peace that he brought to the land, it wasn't the peace... That means tsunamis stop devastating and forest fires stop burning and cancer stops happening and kids stop dying. It wasn't that kind of peace. It was this. Romans 8, verse 22 and 23. We know that everything God made has been waiting until now in pain, like a woman ready to give birth. Not only the world... But we also have been waiting with pain inside us. We have the Spirit as the first part of God's promise. So we are waiting for God to finish 
We're waiting for God to finish making us his own children, which means our bodies will be made free. There are things that you can't fix. Sometimes you can't get it back. Sometimes they're not lost in a way that you can just go find it. Sometimes you don't get a do-over. But we have the Spirit as the first part of God's promise. And it's only the first half. And there's hope in that because it means that when I was on my knees crying and asking and seeking, he wasn't absent. It's not a, God, where were you? God was there just not at all in the way that I wanted him to be. The hope is that God isn't just God in the sky, watching and moving things around and being absent. God is Jesus with us, crying with us and being really mad with us and agreeing that this is not okay. It's never going to be okay. This is not a message of like, it's okay that this happened. It's never going to be okay that this happened. And I don't think Jesus disagrees with me on that. I think he agrees this is not how it was supposed to go. This was not the plan. This is not... (laughs) That wasn't the plan either, I don't think. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't God's will. And there's going to be a day when I get my boy back, but it's not over. It's never going to be okay. But, it, but there are moments where I feel that it is okay because it's not over. I can't read my notes, but that's okay. <laughs> there's, a second, there's a second half coming. And I need you to know that that isn't the only way that God wants us to hope. The only way that God wants us... It's not the only way that God wants us to hope, is just to hope and to wait for heaven and for wait to, for it to all be over. That's not the only thing that he had for us, because he stopped and he gave us the first half, which was his spirit. Hope is right here. It's right now. It's that he's been there all along, and he'll be there in the future under every circumstance. I can't cast him out, because I couldn't ever earn him to me. Because he's never moved from his position of right here, right now. Wow. Let's give him one more good hand. Come on, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah. Awesome. You guys crushed it so much. That was great. Powerful. Yeah. So proud of you guys. Well, you can stay on your feet. We're going to close. Listen, I said we were going to be Pentecostal today. Part of that is having church for three hours, all right? You can't have one and not the other. Uh, Let me pray for us and and we'll walk out into response time. We got flowers for all the ladies today. It's going to be a great day. We'll try to get you to brunch on time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, God. You are so so good. We thank you for your body, for the body of Christ, for your church, for the many experiences, the many voices that you never make it just about one path and one person and one experience, but your body is filled with many different gifts, many different voices, many different experiences, one for each of us. And so I just ask that you would take these words and carry them today. Let them find the right hearts in the right spaces. We thank you for mothers today. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that they are to us, the way they teach us about patience, kindness, your compassion, your grace, and all the ways that has made us into who we are. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen.